Hello, lovely. It's Shauna Lee, and welcome back to the Soul Frequency Show podcast, where we're stepping into the light and raising our frequency together. Each week, we get to return to this sacred space to have conversations about the things we all experience in life, love, health, and career. A space where we, as spiritual beings, having this human experience, can amplify our gifts and remember our truth. The title of this episode is Mass Influence. So we had Teresa on the show a few months back um, talking about writing books, which is one of her amazing gifts. And I also wanted to have a conversation with her about one of her books uh, called Mass Influence. And it's all about the habits of highly influential people. And I think it's just interesting in this world that we live in now, um, we have terminology, right? We have people called influencers, like that's what they do is influence our thoughts and our buying habits and our emotions and the things that we desire. I mean, that's just interesting in and of itself. And what does it mean to influence? And obviously, like everything in life, there's a shadow side and a light side to anything. So definitely, you know, influencing people can show up like a shadow and it can show up like being super light. And I think the main thing is it's it's a responsibility to be able to have some sort of domain over people that listen to you or watch you or take in your content or information. And, um, you know, it's something that I've thought a lot about, obviously having a podcast and, you know, sending information out into the ethers um, each week, you think about like the words matter and what we say matters. And what are the ways that we want to express ourselves? And throughout my journey, I have always thought about like, what is the most truthful thing? Like I'm always peeling back the layers and going, mm, what's the deeper truth? What's the deeper truth? And trying to share that with you guys through this podcast. And as I discover deeper truths myself. So, so this is an awesome conversation to have. And I think, you know, we don't necessarily look at the word influence or understand why some people are influential. And Teresa really dove into this. She studied this. And I think I think it's an interesting conversation. So um, she is a best-selling author of, like I said, Mass Influence, The Habits of the Highly Influential. And she's been on bestseller lists in seven countries over the past six years for this piece of work. She's a four times international bestselling author um, of other books as well. And she teaches marketing courses around the globe to business leaders and entrepreneurs on how to create massively successful word of mouth campaigns. Teresa heads the International Evolutionary Business Council, which is a membership-based organization which empowers change makers to create profitable, impactful businesses that have long lasting and a transformational impact on the individuals that they serve. So with no further ado, let's welcome Teresa back to the show. Teresa, welcome to the show. I'm so happy you're here. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. 
Absolutely. So the minute I found out about your book and your work, and I was introduced to you by Susie, who was on the show, who is amazing. And I was like, oh, we need to talk about this on the show. So we're, we're going to be talking about influence and mass influence. And, you know, like you were mentioning before we jumped on here, this is something that, you know, some people naturally have and are using in their life, but it's not something that I feel like we learn about. We certainly don't learn about it in school or, you know, understand the details around it. So I wondered if you could start off by sharing a little bit about why you chose to write this book. How do we come, how do we come to a point in our life to want to study influence? Yeah. Well, you know, I, I think I first became fascinated with influence because I had none, <laughs> you know, <laughs> I actually grew up the youngest of a really big family and in a remote area of Northern Canada. So my family was like my whole world. And um, so, you know, I was often getting left behind by my older siblings, understandably, you know, nobody wants the, the baby tagging along. Um, but it had me really become fascinated with what has people be listened to or what creates importance in a situation isn't necessarily related to your position in the environment, right? So it, it really had me fascinated with the whole topic from a really young age. And, um, you know, I think what inspired me to write the book is so many people are so intuitively good at influence, but they just don't know how to wield it intentionally, you know, so they're doing little things, little mistakes that they don't even realize. Mistake isn't quite the right word, but things that are getting in their way of having a lot more impact with their lives, um, simply because they've never really thought about how it works. Yeah, and you bring up the point, so... You know, just because we're good at something, good at doing something in the world, or the thing that pops into my mind first is like musicians, right? There are amazing musicians who don't really have a lot of influence or they don't have a lot of, you know, audience or people listening. And you could argue that some people, some of the greatest musicians don't have a lot of influence. And maybe yeah. some of the musicians that don't maybe have the greatest skill have a ton of influence in the markets, right? So it's not just our skill set. So what do you find when you look into this, like as far as it's not as simple as, and you talk about this in the book, like being good at what you do or being good at something, like what's the yeah. secret sauce to influence? Well, you know, and a lot of what I'm going to say, people already know, but they're not putting enough emphasis on it. Right. So the first principle is you can't make yourself famous or influential. Right. You know, if I went to a networking event and stood up on a chair and said, look at me, I'm so great. I, you know, I'm number one international best-selling author, four best-selling books, and, you know, touted out the kudos, people would be like, oh, my God, shoot me in the head. Get this woman out of here. They couldn't show me the door fast enough, right? But if I stood up on that same chair and went, guys, Shannon Lee's in the room. Oh, my God, I'm so freaking excited. She's got an amazing show. You got to meet her, right? Then all of a sudden... I'm gracious and you're more influential. And in fact, in that moment of talking about someone that you deeply respect and admire, to have me on my show, by, on your show, by the way, because it's true, I deeply respect and admire your show, right? But when it's true and it's authentic, people really resonate with that. They're like, let's go pay attention, right? So it's actually in the act of giving influence to other people that we actually become more influential ourselves. And many people intuitively know that, but they're not actually really thinking about the power of that statement and what it can mean in their own lives. That's fascinating. So that would be like an Oprah effect, right? 
Yes, very much. Like if you look at the format that Oprah created on her show, it's no, no wonder she became the most influential person in the world because arguably, but um, you know, her show, she would do sometimes 10 to 12 interviews per episode, often already highly influential people. And of course, all of them would be like, oh, shout out, I'm on Oprah, everybody go watch Oprah, right? So all of that influence came back to her as she shone a light on all of those people. That's fascinating. I think we don't think of it as a culture of something. We think about it as a me, 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 right? Mm -hmm. How do I become more influential? How do I, you know, get myself out there? How do I, I don't think we at all have the conversation of thinking of it as though it's a give. Yes, it really is. You know, um, I love the book, The Go-Giver that Bob Berg wrote. It's one of my yes. favorite all-time business books. You know, he really talks about the more you give in business, the more you get, right? So in a very weird way, giving becomes one of the selfish things you can do, right? Isn't that cool? Giving to other people, especially giving influence, right? And so when you get intentional about what you give, and don't give the wrong things because it's easy to make mistakes in how you give, right? Then it's, you know, it's very easy to start to grow your own influence and create the kind of relationships you need in business. Plus from, because since we talk about energetic frequency from a frequency standpoint, when you share and give, there's like an amazing feeling you get from that, like in the act of giving something that's valuable and important to somebody else, you get a boost in your own frequency, your own energy. You feel that expansion when you're in that giving state. And especially if that gift is received with value, right? Like someone goes, wow, like, thank you for doing this. And it's so amazing. Like that exchange feels so good that, yeah. that that's just an upward spiral in our life. Yeah, that's such a great way to talk about it as a frequency, right? Because this is where there's a blind spot for a lot of people as to how they do their giving. Um, and you often see it at networking events, right? Like at a networking event, the most influential people in the room are always the host and the guest speaker on stage, right? That's, that's usually the norm. And um, you'll see the guest speaker walk off stage and there'll be a lineup of people there waiting to give them a copy of their book or their CD or some kind of product sample, right? And when you think about it, the vibrational energy of that is off because the unspoken message is, that gift is really all about you, right? Your book, your CD, the unspoken messages, you want them to endorse them. It's kind of like going to the new neighbor you just met and saying, you're so gonna love my kids. You're really gonna enjoy babysitting them. It's that kind of energy, right? And it might be true. Like they might love your kids and they might really be thrilled to have the kids come over when you need them to or whatever, but it can be way too soon in the conversation for that to happen vibrationally. It's not as high vibration as if you go to them and say, I love your work. I so want to shout you out on my social media, or I have a podcast. Let me interview you. Or um, I heard you saying you're going to Chicago. I, I know someone with a, an, an event in Chicago. Can I recommend you to speak on their stage? All of those things are way more about the other person. It's entirely a give. And not only that, you're giving influence, which is extremely high vibrational in the world of how energies are received. Like, let me shine a light on your leadership. Let me shine a light on your brilliance. That's about as high vibrational as it gets. And it really works powerfully. Yeah, it's so beautiful. And you know, it's interesting, like my experience with that, because obviously I've hosted this show for five years, is like, it felt so good and happy for me when I started this show 
to be able to like share things that I feel like are so interesting and valuable and to, you know, you know, you go walk around in life and you find cool products or you, you know, you meet someone and they say, oh, I do this or I've written this book and you can't wait to dive into that. And I just started to realize like in a very natural way, because I started with a Facebook live show to begin with before I even started the podcast. But like, I genuinely wanted people to know that this exists, right? Mm -hmm. Like if this is valuable to you, it's valuable to me. I feel like it's super interesting and I'm just putting it out into the, you know, the stratosphere so that anybody else that finds that interesting or valuable in their life can find it. And that that relationship and exchange like felt so good and right. Like it just felt so fun. And, and I think about like the way that we share with other people, like think about all the things like in your life that you have shared or someone has shared with you that made your life better. Like if, I mean, it's almost everything we can look back on our life and say, someone introduced me to this or someone shared this, you know, or that with me. And it changed my perspective or it was a great product and it changed my daily life. Like it's through the sharing. Yeah, very much so. And like, that's such a great example of it, right? It's, um, it's so easy to be authentic and sing the praises of people you love, right? I, I talk about authenticity in the book a lot because a lot of people misconstrue influence as, oh, she, you know, Teresa told me to go and give influence everywhere. And then they start doing it with people they don't authentically love and admire. And then all of a sudden the vibrational energy of that just goes, wonk, right? And it lands wrong. And like, here's the thing, you don't have to sing the praises of people you don't admire. There's probably thousands of people that you do that you can build a relationship with, right? So it is about being authentic. It's about really looking for the people that you do deeply respect and admire and singing their praises from the rooftop, because that gets you in relationship with influential people all over the place. And it gets people paying attention to you because you're being authentic and you're actually recommending people who, de who deserve your praise. Yeah, so good. So when you were like researching, just personal, not like hardcore research, but just living life, right? And, and looking at these principles, like whether you're going to events or interacting with people and you're putting this book together, like what were the parts that were surprising to you or the aha moments? Cause I feel like when you focus on a subject that's interesting to you and you, and you've received a gift, like I'm supposed to write about this, right. And I'm supposed to share this. Um, yeah. There's always things that you learn in the process. So what was the learning that was occurring for you personally? Yeah. Um, I did do a fair amount of hardcore research on this, by the way, because when I started to suspect some of these things were true, I, I actually started going out and did a ton of Facebook surveying and interviewing people to confirm what I believed to be true was true. So all of that actually went into the book. And I think the biggest ahas for me was when I, when I started thinking of it almost like a sport, you know, and like we grow up learning certain things in the sandbox. Like we learn, I'll do this for you and you do that for me, which is very transactional, but there's a certain part of life we come out of that's very transactional. And then in business, we start to carry that principle forward, right? We, we learn that it's a good idea if you want to build a relationship with a prospective client or a colleague that you might offer to buy them lunch or a coffee, right? And then you only have to phone up the head of a Fortune 500 company and offer to buy them coffee. And faster than you can say gatekeeper, 
you run into the fact that there's a different set of rules that apply over here to the highly influential, you know? And when I started sort of writing down, okay, well, what are those rules? What is this different etiquette? I started to realize there actually is a set of distinct habits and rules, you might call them, or distinct etiquette that the highly influential operate by. And they make so much sense when you learn them. You know, it's like, oh, of course, that makes a huge amount of sense. But when you don't actually think about them, you keep bumping up against them and, and it's easy to add meaning to them. Oh, well, that person's just a snob. They won't have coffee with me. And it's like, no, it's not that. It's that they value their time differently, right? And so I think that was actually, when we actually started to map it out and I started to like test it on people, like, does it make sense this way? It was actually a huge revelation to realize, no, this is just a set of principles you can boil it down to. And when people start operating under those habits, you know, influence comes to you very easily and very downstream. So beautiful. So what were, what, maybe you can share like one of the rules or two of the rules, the things that you noticed were really different between somebody who maybe doesn't have a lot of time because they have a lot of influence and how, how they protect their time, right. And their space and how they, uh, you know, allow in the people that understand these rules. Yeah. Um, well, we've already talked about a couple of them, right? Like you got to give influence to get influence. That's one of them, right? In other words, the influential operate under a different currency. You know, like when you want to build a relationship with your next door neighbor, you might be bring them a lasagna or an apple pie. In the world of influence, the equivalent of that is to offer to give them influence in some way. Like you nominate them for an award, you interview them on their podcast. That's why it's so important to have social media or a podcast, right? Um, so you're giving influence in order to build that relationship. That's the way influential people build it. Authenticity is another one we already touched on, right? You don't go out and build relationship with people you don't authentically love and admire. You find the ones that it makes sense for you to build relationship with because you're their biggest raving fan. You know, never underestimate the value of being someone's first raving fan until somebody has their first raving fan, they're just some nut waving their hands on a hill, right? That's a Derek Seavers quote. And it's one of my favorite quotes, right? And um, I, so I really think some of these habits, they make so much sense when you learn them, right? The third most important habit that I think a lot of people, they sort of know it, but they don't pay enough attention to it, right? is that it's a really good idea to be a hub of influential people in your genre, right? In other words, when you draw the influential together in the conversation you're in and help them connect and help them contribute en masse, then that's actually a real sweet spot that can grow your own influence exponentially. Yeah, it's really beautiful. And what are some of the things like um, that people do not understand like because like you mentioned people getting offended or thinking someone's a snob you know and I've had like I've had clients I've had listeners of the podcast write to me and say oh my gosh I reached out to this person and they never responded right or and and really that hurt that was like a deep hurt right I mean I respected this person and they never responded so what would you say to some of those hurts that people get from let's say, you know, people protecting their time? I would say don't make no or inattention mean anything. Like mm -hmm. it doesn't necessarily mean something. And you know, a good exercise to do is like, think of an extreme example of what you're doing 
and think of it if it would make sense in the extreme example. In other words, if you reach out to some influential and they don't respond, ask yourself, if this was Oprah Winfrey, would it be reasonable that she didn't respond? You know, and the answer is in many cases, obviously, yes, because Oprah gets like a million requests a month of people. And there's times where her staff just simply cannot respond to all the requests. You might get an automated email response or something saying, we'll get to you in due course. But influential people are often inundated with thousands and thousands of requests for their support, right? The very simple solution to that is don't come hat in hand asking for something, come hat in hand offering something, right? That's the way past the gatekeepers, right? So if you wanna you know, get in touch with the CEO of, a for CEO of a Fortune 500 company, have a highly influential conference they can speak at, or have a podcast that reaches half a million people or a YouTube channel that reaches half a million people that you can interview them on, which of course begs the question of, okay, well, how do I get that? And you know, that's one of the reasons I wrote my book because I wanted people to understand how do you get on this path where you can grow that level of influence, where you become one of the influential that where they will very easily respond to you because your ability to give them influence puts you to the head of the queue very rapidly. Yeah. And you know, it's, I'm looking like I'm listening to this, thinking back at building my business and my journey. And, you know, obviously five years into a podcast, you're at a different place than you were on day one um, of starting that. And, and everything evolves, like, you know what I mean? Just, you know, guests evolve over time and, and, you know, how you show up to the podcast evolves over time. And, and you really like, you know, you can probably do things quote unquote faster, but there are some things that just take time to like grow into that energy and to, you know, feel that sense of like mastery or relaxation or, oh yeah, like this is just what I do. And people will say, you know, sometimes look around at other people and say, oh gosh, how do they make it so easy? And I like always smile and I'm like, well, I've done like over 500 interviews. Like, you know what I mean? It's not easy on day one for anybody to do anything in life, right? So when we look at people that just have done things, you know, over and over again and learned little ways to tweak it and to master it and make it better and all of those things, it, it happens over a period of time. And, and I think it's interesting from an energetic standpoint too, because you just start to understand like you were sharing and like you share throughout the book by, by being in the space and by witnessing, like you just start to understand more of how it works and, yeah. and you observing, like, I love the observations that you share, you know, in the book, because like, we don't stop and observe this stuff, but you did. And it's so good. And it's like, and you go into so much detail and I feel like, you know, this is an area of life that we should be taught. And since we aren't, you know, when we're young, like your book is such a great platform to like understand the details. Cause like you said, it's one of those things that's out there, but it's a bit more haphazard or people don't know, people don't know how to describe it or how to like look at the details and you pick that apart for us, which is so great. Thank you. I appreciate that. Yeah. One of the reasons I created our 30-day influence challenge, which is like a companion a complimentary program to the book, is it's really just like a matter of building your muscle, right? Like, so those are like little two-minute exercises we give you every morning that are just like you learn influence by doing it, right? Like the best way to learn hockey is to get on the rink. You want to learn influence 
start embodying the habits that highly influential people do. And you'll find, you know, at the end of 30 days, people often email me back going, wow, this really works. I didn't realize, you know, I, 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 I've been doing a lot of these things, but I wasn't super intentional about them, you know? So when you get intentional about the stuff that you do already and maybe pick up a few new habits to boot, um, it's amazing how rapidly your influence can grow. Yeah, and I think everything that you teach and that you're sharing in this book, like the main thing that I would want to share as somebody who has received your message is that the things that we don't like in life as human beings, the icky moments, and I'm going to use the example that you used, like running up to somebody who's getting off of a stage and kind of shoving your book in their face doesn't ever feel good, right? It's not, it's like you think you have to, you know, people feel like they have to do this thing to, you know, get influence or get ahead or get noticed or whatever it is. But ultimately the reaction is usually strained or not what you want it to be. The whole thing, like you leave the situation as a human being, like going, oh, that didn't feel good. We're approaching it from understanding these principles and approaching it from give and from share and from showing up for other people. It feels good from day one. Yeah. You know, we've all... You know, we've all seen the movie always be closing or, you know, and you can (laughs) see these people, they've got this inner dialogue. This is my one chance. Oh my God. Like I got to get up there and get them to endorse my book or get them to look at my CD. Right. And, you know, the one thing I would say is, you know, build a relationship. You'll have lots of chances, you know, like this is your chance to build a relationship. You don't need to ask for the book endorsement once the book, uh, once the relationship is there, there'll be a, a hell yes to do a book endorsement at that point, right? So yeah, it's there's nothing to hurry up and do. It's actually a mindset to relax into. You know, it's I, I often liken um, influence to breathing, right? Because I, I often run into people and they're like, oh, don't give me more do list, Teresa. Where am I going to find the time? I can't fit anything more, Right. And, you know, when we think about it, there was a time in our lives we had to learn to breathe. You know, we came out of that nice warm environment, some idiot whacked you on the back (laughs) and you cried for a moment and then you mastered the skill of breathing. And by and large, you did not go through your life from that point forward saying, I got to breathe 24 hours today. Where am I going to find the time? Breathing simply became part of the way you naturally move through your day right and you know there might have been points in your life where you learned that there's actually an advanced level of breathing you know maybe you started to do a martial art or qigong or yoga and you learned oh breathing is something that we can actually get intentional about and and be advanced about but influence is a lot like that a lot of us naturally have certain um, habits that help build influence for us we do these things quite naturally but when we get intentional and get intentional about the mastery, like at a fifth and sixth and black belt level, then all of a sudden we see that this can become a habitual thing that's very easy to grow if we just really focus on it as a power source in our life, as a power source in our vibrational energy. Yeah, it's beautiful. And I think one of the greatest places to witness this is live events. Like going to live events, um, I highly recommend that for anybody listening, if you're interested, you know, for anything that's personal development or spirituality or, you know, anything that's positive minded, um, you really learn a lot by watching the flow of the room 
um, at live events, watching the, the the dynamics and like you said, the speakers on the stage and the you know that there's so much. It's so fascinating, like the influence of a speaker on a stage at a live event too. I mean, it's extraordinary. Yeah, the social proof they have just by the fact that they're on the stage. You know, it's interesting. Depending on the size of the stage, you know, you walk out on a stage full of a thousand people. People don't even need to know you're a number one international best-selling author or you run an award-winning podcast or any of those things. You're in front of a thousand people. <laughs> you know, that's all the social proof they need. They'll they'll believe anything coming out of your mouth, right? So it's, you know, A, it's important to cultivate that. B, it's important to understand the responsibility of that. You know, because it's important that we use our influence in a positive way, you use our influence to cause impact in people's lives. You know, we actually spent a lot of time talking about this in the Evolutionary Business Council because in the whole empowerment and transformational industry, like the whole speaking and training space, there's a lot of people that are really masterful at, at getting people to see where their blocks are, to coach people past their blocks, to give them a vision of what's possible in their lives. But impact doesn't actually happen until people take action, right? And in other words, you know, if, if insight was all it took to change people's lives, there'd be no obesity on this planet, right? Like we all know what it takes to lose weight. And yet there's still obesity because a lot of people haven't been able to motivate themselves to take action around it. And so one of the reasons we focus on this so much in the Evolutionary Business Council, we actually call it mobilization, right? Like, are you effectively using your influence now that you have it to actually get people to into action? Like, that's one of the reasons I created the 30-Day Influence Challenge, because I wanted people to not just read my book, but I wanted them to get in action for 30 days using the habits that we talk about in the book. They're very simple, basic things, but if you don't ever use them, you might have all the insight in the world of what it takes to create influence, but if you're not actually doing it, then your ability to change the world and change lives is never going to come to you. I love that you're having this conversation. And I've never heard of the council. Is it a group of transformational leaders? Yeah, we are a community of um, content providers, um, basically influencers, thought leaders, and emerging thought leaders from all around the world. Our vision is to create a conscious, sustainable world. And so we do that by supporting leaders and entrepreneurs who are in alignment with creating a more conscious, more sustainable world. So people who are teaching empowerment or transformational principles inside their work or people who sometimes just stand for a better product that aligns with a more sustainable planet. And we encourage all our members to use education and education marketing as the primary means by which they push out their, their teachings and their products. So we run a lot like an advanced mastermind. Um, we just, you know, structured a little differently than the most. We're a safe space for leaders to come into and do their own work. I think that's beautiful. And I love the conversation. I have this conversation with my circle and with myself all the time, um, because there's things that you see when you get more behind the scenes in the transformational mm -hmm. space. And it's completely different, I have found, like some people are really gifted at the, the beginning stages of getting somebody excited about the prospect of transformation, and they deliver that very well, and that's their gift. But I have found that like sometimes that's not the same gift as people who actually take, you know, guide somebody in transformation, like boots on the ground from yeah. A to let's say Z, 
which is a much more, you know, longer conversation for sure. And, and many times in depth, you know, kind of relationship or, you know, group relationship, whatever it is um, for that. And, and I think, you know, in times past, like we were less focused on actual, like what creates actual change versus like just the thought or the prospect or the concept around change and talking about change versus actually affecting change. Yeah, that's such a good way to, to put it, right? There's a lot of insight addicts on this planet, you know, people who do a lot of work on themselves or, you know, take lots of courses and they, they love going home with more insight, but then they don't actually take action and act on that insight and, and affect a change in their lives. You know, they don't actually um, make their life stand for something. They don't get into their mission and get people transforming, you know, and then even at a leadership level, you often see people who have taken the leap. And they're now making their life stand for something. They've created a business to do something bigger, something better. And it often shows up as money blocks, believe it or not. Mm-hmm. Because um, ironically, sales are in fact your best measure of whether you're getting people to take action. Because if you're getting people to take action, you know, if, if, uh, if they're going away and they're like, oh, I got to do the 30-day influence challenge. I got I to read people's Teresa's book or whatever. You know, I, I got to sign up for Shanna's programs because they're so awesome, right? If they're taking action, pulling out their credit card and buying something further from you is inevitable in many cases. You know, like if you get 50 people to take action, at least 10 of them will buy something, right? And so whether or not people are buying from you is a really good measure of whether or not you're being successful in getting people to take action. They're not synonymous, but the one is a phenomenal indicator of whether the other is happening, right? And so if you're an entrepreneur or business leader and you're, you're like, okay, we're standing for change, we're doing all this great stuff, but our sales and our profits are way down, then... You know, we talk about this in the EBC a lot. Look to the symptom of you're probably doing way too much on the insight and the, you know, the, we like to call it the out with the old and in with the new, like coaching people to success, but you're not actually getting them in action. And, um, and that's why this is such a big conversation in the EBC because, you know, we, we exist in an industry that's almost addicted to insight and forgets to take action a lot of the times. Yeah. And what's the, what's the overarching view on the shift that like the, the, the group, let's just say the group um, talks about in regards to shifting that, because obviously like information is lovely and information is a beginning point and we need information, but that doesn't affect, you know, global change. It is the action that affects the change. And so I just am curious what the conversation is around that bridge between just information to action. I love it. Um, Let me give you an example. So those of you who think on watching this show that you really do need more and you want to figure out how to get more intentional about your your influence, I would love it if you would go do my 30-day influence challenge. So if you go visit massinfluencethebook.com, we'll actually, we're actually right now giving away the digital versions of my book for free to celebrate its seventh year and being on the bestseller list. We've been in and out of the number one spot in small business marketing for seven years now. Um, So we're giving the digital version away for free. So if you want to practice this skill, go sign up for my 30 day influence challenge, and we'll give you the links there where you can actually get a digital version of my book for free and you can read my book. Now, what did I just do? I took people from the podcast to actually taking action in their lives 
to not only learn a skill, but to start embodying the skill, right? And that's a very simple step. But when you start to get people in action, like more so than just, just listening to your show or, or just, you know, um, sitting there going, oh, that's interesting, that's interesting, that's interesting, maybe someday I'll do something about that, you actually get them doing something about it right now. So every show, every episode, every, every course you teach, every, um, everything you do, it's a good idea to have some action people can take because the more you get them in the habit of taking action, we call this mobilization, the more you mobilize the people who listen to you, it actually increases your influence and your ability to impact change in people's lives. Yeah. So beautiful. Definitely highly recommend um, a 30 day, and 30 days is like, it's a wonderful period of time to start playing in the arena and getting on the court and trying things out and seeing, you know, seeing what happens in your life. Like it doesn't take long. I think sometimes we have this unrealistic expectation and I don't know where it exactly comes from, where we believe that change has to take forever or it's impossible or, you know, we can't see results. And really like as time speeds up, I say on the planet, as time speeds up, like things happen so quickly, like taking some of your principles and taking them out into the world and being able to, you know, I like to call it dance within these, these new learnings, like, and get on the court with them. Then you start to see how quick you can shift. I and mean, what you're doing is shifting energy, right? You're shifting how you're showing up in the world. Therefore, the reality is, is showing you something different, right? We are the creators of our reality. So, so it can very all happen very, very fast. And I think we have to break down this thinking of like, it's hard or it happens for other people or it doesn't happen for me. Like all these old programming messages, because truly like there's no bigger time on the planet where there is support for change, like energetic support for change that really we just have to walk up to the, walk up to the stage, right. And just start, you know, dipping our toe in the water and, and the energy is going to like really help expand for people. Very much so, you know, and each of us has a superpower, you know, somewhere where we can really affect the lives of others. Uh, you know, I really do believe every human being is born with one. And, you know, really stepping into your superpower can be one of the most selfish things you do, right? Like, all the way back to the teachings of Aristotle, he talked about the different types of happiness, right? He talked about hedonistic happiness, you know, which is appropriate, like, it's like the joy you get from a really good latte or a nice glass of wine, you know. But he also talked about eudaimonia, eudonistic happiness which is the happiness that you get from really knowing that you're a deep contribution to your family, your community, or the world at large, right? So I think the whole conversation of relevancy, like what's your legacy? What's the major contribution that you do for the world? And when you really start to dive into that inquiry, guess what? Your happiness level goes way up. Because when we know we're a contribution, that's the kind of happiness that sticks in your bones. Hedonistic happiness is gone as soon as the latte is gone. Eudonistic happiness sticks around. It stays with you. Yeah, I would, I would describe that too. Like ever since I stepped into my life's work, it's like happiness is a constant through line rather than the addictive, you know what I mean? Like 
Like I had three hours of amazing caffeine and now I'm like on the floor and I'm exhausted, right? <laughs> yeah. Roller coaster that we're used to, right? When we're like kind of really in our egoic lives, this roller coaster of like happiness, sadness, happiness, sadness. And like what you're describing is like, what if there's a through line of just like, I'm, I'm great, right? It's good. And life still happens. It's not that life doesn't happen to us or we don't have bad days, but like the general sense of like well-being and joy is feels very foundational and present. Very true, you know, and it, it's just like I couldn't have envisioned what my life would be like 12 years ago when we first founded the Evolutionary Business Council. Like I couldn't have dreamed this big, you know, like I couldn't have dreamed that I would be one of the founders of an intentional community in Costa Rica and you know, living in paradise and having this amazing community of people around me. Like, it's funny, but when you just, when you lean in and take the next logical step, you know, I love how Sheryl Sandberg talks about that in her book. Jennifer Huff talks about that a lot in her teachings too. Just, you know, lean in, you know, figure out where you are the greatest contribution and lean into it. And it's amazing where your life will take you. It truly is. So great. It's so beautiful. So will you share one more time where people can sign up, go sign up you guys for the 30 day. Um, yeah, go ahead. Come to massinfluencethebook.com and you can sign up right there for the 30 day influence challenge. Plus we'll give you the links where you can get the um, digital version of my book complimentary. Yeah, it's so, it's wonderful. I'm, I'm so glad we got to talk about this and I'm so glad that you showed up to your life's work and that you have studied this and that you've wrote this and that you created the council. I mean, this is what happens in our lives when we show up, right? One step at a time. And like you said, it's more than what you would have ever envisioned for yourself because truly, you know, spirit and energy and our life force has more in store for us than what we could ever possibly <laughs> imagine. So we, they just need us to show up, right? They, we just need to show up and say, okay, I'm willing to be on the court and then let's, let's co-create this. So thank you for being you. Thank you for giving us this gift and thanks for coming and hanging out with us. Oh, it's just a joy. Thank you so much for having me. Hey, lovely. This is Shauna Lee. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the Soul Frequency Show. If you got even one piece of valuable information, head over to Apple Podcasts and share a review with your takeaways. And follow us because we got lots more goodness to come. We are spreading the love far and wide. And you know where to find me over at IG at the Soul Frequency. Until the next time, love. Here's to positive vibes and powerful awakenings.